Good morning, benders and non-benders alike, and welcome to Republic City Dispatch, a radio program covering Nick.com's Legend of Korra series. This week, this new train system connecting Republic City and the Earth Kingdom is the talk of the town as everyone prepares for the coronation of Prince Wu. And speaking of the coronation, when was the last time anyone saw the Avatar? Let's ask our hosts, Matt, Dave, and Devendra. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Republic City Dispatch. It's been a mere two months since we last <laughs> talked to you, which is just startling. I, if I wasn't surprised about Cora coming out of nowhere for book three after the leak, and like, we're just going to put the show on the air uh, out of nowhere, I was real. I just I keeled over and went to a coma for a few <laughs> days after realizing that book four is upon us. It's here, it's already here. Balance is happening and i'm matt patches and again i'm with davinja hardawar hello hello and dave gonzalez hello joanna has still not jumped ahead three years but she'll uh she'll be here soon we hope get out of your wheelchair joanna <laughs> yes where is she she must be roaming the land she is our cora in this case um but yeah we're here to talk about book four balance premiere after all these years uh and as with all premieres I think what these guys do so well is elegantly kind of push us into the new action. It's not a bombastic episode. There's not a lot going on, but there's just enough. All the seeds are planted for something that might be really interesting. Uh, Dave, what actually happened in this episode? We rejoined the universe three years after the book three finale when President Raiko was opening a new Republic City Central Station updated by Future Industries run by an Asami that has adapted her mother's hairstyle. Attending is Prince Wu, the heir apparent to the Earth Kingdom throne, and Mako, who wants to be a detective again, but is bodyguarding Prince Wu and mistakenly thinks he'll be able to become a detective once Wu becomes king. Kuvira, name-checked metalbender from the book three finale, is now the great uniter, riding trains with Bolin and Varric. Kuvera has left the metal clan and is engaged to Suyin's son, traveling around, trying to unite the Earth Kingdom, and saving, saving in air quotes, towns from bandits while recruiting those same bandits? No one thinks this is shady outside of Kai and Opal, the representatives of the Airbender Nation who failed to keep the Earth Kingdom village of Yai standing. Back in Republic City, everyone thinks Korra is coming to Tonrock with coming with Tonrock to the coronation, but Tonrock thinks his daughter has been in Republic City for weeks. Turns out she's backwoods, earthbending, fighting in some sunken arena and denying her identity. Uh-oh. <laughs> is that... Uh-oh is the, is the last beat there? Yeah, uh-oh is how it is. Uh-oh. Rut-row. Rut-row. <laughs> yeah. Where's Scooby in all of this? Um, Dave, where's made... Pabu in all of this? Where guys? is Pabu? Maybe where that's is the Pabu first point we this? really need to address. Hashtag, no, where's Pabu? Pabu. <laughs> Is this a death watch, or is this, it's already happened? I think I there's just too much that. going on. But we saw Naga, and we didn't see Pabu, and I was very sad. I mean, so. that maybe that speaks to Bolin's position <laughs> in the world. We'll, we'll, we'll get there, we'll get there. I just want to remind people that now that we're back, uh, and we're, we're chatting about Korra each week uh, until the end of book four, until the end of the series, I suppose. Oh, I'm already, like, silent tearing on a cliff, mm. Korra-style, about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to remind people that it really helps us if you go on iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, uh, say some words, nice or not, whatever you want. Uh, or get on Tumblr, republiccitydispatch.com. Uh, comment on our, our posts. We read everything. We want to incorporate you in our conversation. Or reblog our episodes and, and write your own thing. Uh, again, we read it all. We love it. Uh, so let's keep the, the conversation going after we're done here. And uh, why don't we start the conversation first? I'm, I'm going to put it to you guys. You know, when we jump forward in time in a new season of television, this is a common trope now. It's becoming more common, 
probably with modern in the like last 10 years we've seen a number of shows do this kind of time jump thing mm-hmm. how how do you think how, how does that change reintroducing characters is it difficult to do a season four of television to just like bring us back and keep <laughs> us involved like that's difficult right yeah i mean most shows i feel like uh most shows by season four they're either beginning to flag and you can feel like it's just not as exciting as it was originally or they kind of hit a new stride as they like kind of get to the finish line so you look at lost which whose season four I think was just kind of a big waste of time and Breaking Bad, which really knew what it was trying to do and where it was really trying to go. So the time jump makes sense, but I guess it's better when it's done for a real reason, not just to spice things up because things are getting boring. Yeah, I'm used to this happening as, um, you know, a season or a storyline of a show starts going down a path that they sort of can't pull back out of in a clean way. So like something like Battlestar Galactica, um, actually time jumped into their like little hole because they suddenly wanted to do a uh, you know story that had uh, influence on the uh, had uh, thematic influence from the Iraq war right and right. Uh, what we were doing there so you know they suddenly jumped forward in time Parks and Rec uh, they just didn't want to deal with yeah. uh, having triplets uh, babies on set and having mm-hmm. to write comedy for that so they jumped that may be a bit years. of a spoiler for people who haven't seen the uh, the finale but yeah that was they've surprising. had time to catch up on that one. I don't know. Yeah, it is I surprising mean, when it does happen. I'm used to it do, being a reaction to like a narrative uh, rock in a hard place. Here, I'm not mm-hmm. sure that we had it, and most, but mostly because I I don't feel it yet because I don't really know what Cora went through. Basically, it's like I got a peek into what my side characters are doing, and I enjoy it. But the person I really care about is Cora, and she's just a big mystery right now. So it looks like in the trailer, you know, we get to see her cut her hair off, like. Uh, she has it at the end of it. So hopefully we get a little bit of flashback to fill that in and like her thought process. And that's when I'll get to know, I think, why narratively mm-hmm. they decided to jump ahead three years. Well, how, I, how do you think the world has changed again and, and reapproaching these people? I mean, there's the obvious things that you can take a jump and things have advanced and playing catch up might mm-hmm. be part of the the motivation, the, the writing motivation there. Um but I'm trying to think about why, what we left in the finale and what has really radically changed since then. Mm-hmm. I, I think, mean, like, oh, oh, go ahead. Uh, well, it, the finale was strange, right? Because it left Cora in a place where she was just, uh, it didn't seem like she really was connected to her powers. And yes, she was in a wheelchair. She was not in a good place. So I really wonder by doing the time jump, like I wonder how long that took for her to get out of it. It could have taken years. And if you had started this new season closer to to that, we would have had to like, you know, uh, live through a lot of that with Korra, which may not, you know, that, that could be interesting, but it also may not be the best way to move the story forward. Yeah, and it sounds like from the time period that we jumped over, that's actually not the most interesting thing that's happening. The most interesting yeah. thing that's happening is whatever happened at Zhao Fu that basically split that family right down the middle. So, like, the son that we saw for, like, two seconds in season one through the doorway with the father in the first mm-hmm. episode in Zhao Fu is now engaged to our villainess who we got a shout-out, like, the last, the finale episode. She was like, it was like, take care of Tonrock, Kuvara. And then next time we see her, she's uh, possibly magnet bending, but at least has pushed the technology of this world forward as a conqueror in mm-hmm. a way that we haven't seen since the Fire but, Lord, I would think. But also taking advantage of the whole new rail uh, railroad system, too. 
Right. Well, so, and she yeah, has like yeah. the magnet bending fighting style, which it looks like she's able to throw the metal bend pieces and then mm-hmm. turn on the magnetism somehow, yeah. which would yeah, imply to do that at the end. Contend with you about that one in a second, but uh... <laughs> oh, you, if we, we could do it now if you want. Anyway, but, but the, during the time period thing that we missed, I feel like I missed a mini series about things going sour in Zaofu. So don't, I hope don't we you think there's an Appa's lost days for Cora, <laughs> like a flashback. I mean, they're kind of into flashback episodes now. Right? I mean, That's there's a, a there's an Airbender's these... first class series that just exists because we pick up with them and they have these wingsuits and they're driving Zaofu jeeps and it's just uh, I I feel like okay I like this world that we're in but I need a couple more steps in between the world that we left and the world that we're in to make me feel good about it, but the way that, like, the Korra... it's exciting. I think there's right. a visceral excitement to seeing Kyanopal in these wingsuits and, yeah, being superheroes in a way, or just, like, everything... I, I was really floored when I first saw Asami and Mako for some reason. Like, seeing time pass through design, right? She looks mm-hmm. different. He looks older. And this world is rapidly moving on. This technological mm-hmm. revolution is changing things. Um, and, and I don't know. There, there's just an excitement there that I don't need all this information necessarily. And whatever seems important will probably just bubble to the surface. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> I, an interesting think- way. Oh, go ahead. I know, I think that's totally right. It's I trust these guys as storytellers enough to, you know, take me on this journey. If it was a whole new set of writers and a whole new, you know, set of showrunners or something trying to do this, then I'd be a little more, you know, like Community, what, season four or something. Yeah. I would be a little more wary. But this is like, you know, just we know what these guys can do. So I'm fine with that. Yeah, and the Korra already, in terms of comparison to Avatar The Last Airbender, is a show that's... Their season-long arts are incredibly obsessed with the past, so it's interesting that our quote-unquote flashbacks or uh, exposition monologues from this season will actually probably be talking about a period of time in between seasons, which is fun, but still in the model of the show. We didn't break the, we didn't break the show by time jumping. I just like that we don't get reintroduced to everyone. You know, there isn't really a Tenzin beat in this right. episode and there really isn't we we only see we know no Janora you know we only get Kai and Opal who've been paired together it just seems wrong why <laughs> how did this process work out that Kai and Janora are together this feels right? like a two-part opener honestly like it ah. feels weird watching this without seeing the second episode because clearly Wait, that's gonna be because that feels more like that's the core episode you know where we kind of settle mm-hmm. things in and then we see what Janora is up to and what everybody else is up to and maybe a glimpse of Pabu too so it is this is one of those cases where it feels really weird to have just a single episode to judge it on after all these years really burned Davindra for not showing Pabu in any way maybe, but what are the maybe, implications there because if he's not with Bolin <laughs> like Bolin is all on the uh, Kuvira Piercer, and that's <laughs> what I'm calling it now, and, and like her right hand man in some way, her manager, and no Pabu. Is there no room uh-huh. for Pabu on this train? Maybe, like, maybe he was not allowed to bring Pablo, but Pablo's secretly hiding in his uh, cabin. I just hope we don't get a situation where it's like we see Pablo's like picture on you know Bolin's wall, and it turns out Pablo died two years ago because that would be. Awful and yeah, we, of, have, we don't know the age. life expectancy of fire ferrets. So. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, um, I like the idea that Pabu like snuck away with Korra and like is secretly shadowing mm. her on the uh, on the thing. <laughs> I don't know, Pabu. You know, yeah, I, I'm family. I'm, I'm with all that. We also, 
I mean, for how much this world expanded last book, this uh, premiere kept things very focused because uh, I had to keep up with like three year time. But like nobody said anything about the Red Lotus, which seemed like it was going to be a really big deal three years ago. I feel so I- bad. I was reading my recap on Screen Crush from last from the finale. Right. And in that blurb, I'm like, this mention of Kuvira could not possibly be the setup for book four. It just can't. It's so <laughs> blunt. And I mean, sloppy is the wrong word because I, I mean, I, I don't know. Who am I to judge? But like, I just thought they were throwing a bone to Zelda Williams and giving her a cameo because she's probably a fan of the show or something. And it's like, hey, Kuvira, hey. And that couldn't be possibly a setup. And they mention in that finale, Mako's like, there's probably more Red Lotus out there. And you're like, ah, oh, yes, book four. No. No, nope, none of that. Probably not. Three <laughs> yeah, years later, back, no one's mentioned the Red Lotus. Maybe again. in three years they extinguished the Red Lotus. It, se- it seemed like they were a huge threat that that wasn't going to happen. And the Red Lotus tied back into Unavatu. So it seems like that there are big bad somehow. And it seems like with the theme of balance, at some point they're going to have to come in. I'm just not sure how Kuvira plays into that. Maybe <laughs> she's the Maybe back in the metal day bender. she like found Zaheer's notebook and learned from him. She became well, we got a Red a- Lotus member in, in that in the seconds after we left her. Yeah, we yeah. Don't, we don't really know how her and Su Yin got along. And it seems like Clearly I mean I'm 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 happy that they were spending this this book uh in the in the Earth Kingdom because I feel like that's sort of the kingdom that keeps getting the shaft. Uh, in terms of storytelling, like book two Earth uh, in Avatar Last Airbender is definitely my favorite. But because it was the second season, like the early half, of it's kind of storytelling unbalanced. It's still in like kid mode and then it ends and it's in like super darkness and the drill in the wall and everything. So I'm very happy to be in this in this in this world again. I'm just interested to see how they're going to make uh, like we were sort of spent some time in the water tribe and book two and we got to see all these people of the water tribe i'm hoping that through this uh you know uh fracture and zaofu and the kuvira piercer and wandering toff and (laughs) Korra apparently being in the earth kingdom because that's where she would be earth bending gang fighting that we're gonna do i don't know like a a study of the the sociology of the Earth Kingdom. I'm totally up for that. That's surprising to me because yeah. I thought you'd be like, "Where is the Fire Nation? You yeah. want more Fire Nation?" Oh, I, I mean, like, I want, I want, I want the Fire Lord. Don't get me wrong. I I need to see that Fire Lord daughter, or you know, if it's if it's relegated to a Dark Horse comic again, I'm gonna get. Well, there's super a volcano pissed. in the trailer, so that yeah. should give you some hope. I mean, Bowen yes. can lava bend now, so we got to make use of that, right? Somehow. Ah. Yeah, but I, I actually think like rather we did spend a lot of time in the Earth Kingdom last season, yeah. and this season seems more about it. It is about a great uniter. So I think we're going to see more about how all these different tribes are going to coexist in a Ooh, more modern yeah. world, and the train's going to connect everything, which I think we talked about a little last uh, last season too. Like well, that would have been a great thing. I mean, geographically, Republic City is once again reclaimed Earth Kingdom territory. So I could right, see right. it expanding Kuvara, Kuvira into Republic City. Is but it true? from Republic City y- lies in Earth Kingdom territory? I think it's Yudao. I think, um, yeah, it was mm. a... It was a Earth Kingdom territory that had Fire Nation citizens and Aang and Zuko had to deal with all of that. And I think if you look at the map uh, that she's using her crazy metal puzzle pieces... 
uh, to put together. Republic City is included in the Earth Kingdom territory. It's close enough that, you know, you could have that train in between. So I'm mm-hmm. not sure if we're going to deal with the... Because, like, the Fire Nation's way over. They're like, if if the Earth Kingdom is uh, North America, the Fire Nation's, like, Australia. Like, it's way over there um, mm-hmm. with all these islands in between. Uh, so I'm, I mean, I'd be interested to see how much we deal with uh, them at all. To be precise, after... The Hundred Years' War, Aang yes. and Zuko established a fifth nation, the United yeah. Republic yeah. of Nations, on former Fire Nation colonies within the Earth Kingdom. Didn't this happen in the comic? Yes, this yeah. is the promise. It's yes. Udao was the first unified city. I'm not sure if Udao actually becomes Republic City, because at the end of Apparently, that comic... Republic they... City is settled on the shores of Bay, so that sounds oh, okay. possibly correct. <laughs> yeah, they lift the entire city... Uh, it's, sorry, spoilers to the comic, but it's really cool, and it's like four years old. They lift the city out of the ground uh, at the end of it to like sort of prevent it from being attacked. So I always thought that they just settled it in a bay, and it became Republic City, but maybe that's headcanon. Hey, Bay. Hey. <laughs> um, I, I want to talk a little about Kuvira and what she's all about. And I, I, Devendra, you just mentioned that she's the great uniter. She's just trying to unite Earth Kingdom territories. Right. right, now, right? Yeah. And it's, I mean, we can look to history too because I think uh, there was that great. should. You know that. Definitely have you. to look to history. I know that is a good thing for you. But uh. there was also that great, uh, what was the podcast? It was one of the, uh, the Nerdist podcasts that the uh, Avatar creators were on. And they were talking about like their love of uh, historical, you know, stories, just like stories telling like what was going on in the past. And you can clearly see that reflected in all their work. But I I think in this season we're going to see a lot of that too um you know it's the idea of how do you unite something that is inherently fractured that's huge uh that used to be under some sort of rule we could look to like ancient china we could look to all sorts of things for this um i think it's really interesting because kovira we're talking about her sort of like the villain at this point maybe because of her practices um but i don't i, I hope she's not just the I just, I just hope she doesn't end up being the big bad of the season. Like, I do want to see what, uh, like, what led to her split up uh, with Sivian and everything. She does have good intentions. Yeah, right? I mean, it's just how she's doing it is very, it's very dictatorial. So it's, it's tough. It's tough to swallow, but at the same time, she's like, it's weird how we see her in sort of like a. Uh, I guess sort of a villainous role earlier on, but then at the end of the uh, the episode when her, you know, when her group does take over that village, like people have food, like they can actually eat and, you know, they have things to protect them from the bandits. So this balance is going to be really interesting it's to a see. weird, you know, you don't get this vibe in television very often that our heroes, Opal and Kai, they're trying to fight to keep this nation independent and not mm-hmm. kind of cave to Kuvira's contract and they fail they fail right away and they're like i guess we should just become part of her campaign or become part of her nation that she's building and it's just it's such a it's such sadness but like tinged with okay you're right yeah we got food Uh, she's doing so she is the great uniter (laughs) in a way um and i'm sure Mm -hmm. history speaks to this on a number of levels in good and bad ways i mean i was reading about catherine the great and Russia. That's what came into my mind. Mm. <laughs> it's probably in a, a Chinese version of this because that's where Mike and Brian are always looking. So many of them. Um, I think it'll be really interesting, too, to see like how the Kavira's philosophy differs from whatever the heck Prince Wu is doing, who, by the way, is just a... He doesn't really seem a, to have one, does he? He doesn't really have one, but he's just such a great character to introduce because he, he is a Disney character. 
Like yes. straight up, straight up Disney character thrown. He's into Emperor's New Groove. He's a Cusco. Huh. <laughs> yeah, but uh, who's who's really going to be you know working behind him? Because clearly, you don't put in uh, somebody like that. Clearly, has people behind him who are actually managing and controlling so things. Weird that well, they it's... would have someone like Prince Wu step up because mm-hmm. clearly having the queen didn't really work. It doesn't <laughs> seem like anyone's thought this through that having another. Like uh, uh, monarchy is a is a good idea. Why? Well, oh no, then you let the terrorists win. Patches. If yeah, they're like yeah. no leaders, and you're like, okay, no leaders. What sort of message does that well, send? There's got to be leaders, <laughs> but um, at least Republic City seems to have a sturdy uh, uh, board of confidants. Right? It's not just President. Ron- well, they have a president. Elect. They have someone a president. They Earth have Adam. like yeah, board of people. Yeah, you know. The I mean, cabinet. presidents. Presidents are new. That happened. Mm-hmm. That happened. Book one. So we're 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 getting there. It's interesting to. Um, I always I assume from this episode that they were setting up Mako to be the person behind um, Prince Wu, so that mm-hmm. the, you know that you let him be a figurehead, but Mako would like would end up being like a leading the Dai Li or something if the Dai Li is still around. It is a little weird that. Um... Dave, you probably know all sorts about this, that uh, this this democratic nation is kind of putting a new leader into power in the Earth Kingdom. Don't you think that speaks to present-day issues? Uh, I mean, possibly. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I think it's definitely more going to come to play in that uh, the world seems to agree that Mako should support the prince and Bolin is on Kuvira Piercer. So, like, that's going to come to play. The fact that uh, Kuvira is marrying a Bayfog means that, you know, where all this talk of bandits, maybe there's a blind one that comes into play. And, you know, we just have a lot of this familial showdown stuff. I, I just really wish I knew more where Korra fit in, because I think then I'd have a better idea of where we were going. I mean, she mm-hmm. is balance, right? She has to come in and is she? be the glue. Is the Avatar balance in this world now? I was having this discussion... With my girlfriend last night, are we are we headed towards a Buffy serious conversations that keep your relationship together? (laughs) Yes, are we headed towards a Buffy conclusion where balance is everyone bends or no one bends? Mm -hmm. Hey, I I remember saying something similar to that several seasons ago. Is that what this is about? That's what like book one is about. But I do feel like that has to be part of it because the the thing about this universe is that it's always. It's been inherently unfair because some people have these fancy bending powers and some people don't. And the people who do clearly can do a lot more in this world and they can get the better jobs. You know, they can get the higher level positions or whatever. And they're a part of this economy and world where normal humans aren't. So technology is going to help, you know, equalize people a bit. But at the same time, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more powers actually spreading but out. But this is not realistic, right? This is not how our world works. And clearly, sure. Brian and Mike what, are striving wait. to mirror realism as opposed, I don't, to, I don't know as, about as that. opposed to fantasy conclusions like in Avatar The Last Airbender. I think they touch on realism a lot just because of their historical, you know, references and everything. But at, at the end of the day, like, they're they're dealing with a world that is far different than ours like there's a whole spirit world here there's all this other stuff going on so yeah yeah, i I don't know if you want to keep it real world what would be more real world than the the amon mask becoming the guy fox mask of that universe (laughs) where it just starts popping up again because people realize that we're still dealing with the same core issue Mm -hmm. and that the avatar although struggling for 
you know, four seasons to try to bring balance between these people, the world has actually not really done it that much. I mean, she, she severed the link to the uh, previous avatars, so she's definitely the last avatar of a certain line. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, I'm not exactly sure what the purpose of the avatar is in the sense that they made a statue of her in her three-year period, but everyone is just sort of like, oh, she's sick. Uh, we're going to have to get along by ourselves. <laughs> and that's allowed uh, Kuvira to rise as a leader or complex villain or mm-hmm. something in between. Well, she's she's not a villain to our main characters, by the way, because in the opening scene, Tenzin and Lin are like, yeah, Kuvira's got this. She's taking care of the Earth Kingdom, and they seem fine with it. And they're also working with Prince Wu. So they're like the idea is that Kuvira is the military might and Prince Wu is the figurehead in charge. Yeah, but there have been a lot of leaders of the past that people yes, support yes, until sure. they uh, start well, mongering. It was really interesting, too, when that pie assassination uh, attempt happened that uh, Mako says it was Kavira supporters who did that. So clearly there's already this sort of like right. tension between these yeah. two different you, ideas of rulers. Let me ask you something. If you throw a pie in someone's face <laughs> in a political setting, is it a Rupert Murdoch reference? I mean, it's uh, been done have to be. It's been done a lot. Really? Yeah, wasn't like, there, wasn't there pieing in Korra previously? That I'd have to look at. I don't up. know. I but think... The, I, <laughs> I think there's some there's always pieings that are happening at press conferences. Republic City is throwing food at ear the political people you do not like. Like that is you know that that goes back a long long ways too. That's true, but it's a pie, you know. It's a pie. Can someone can someone remind me of my ancient history in terms of Kuvira? Isn't that how we got a Caesar? Was there was a democracy, but then we got assaulted, so we're like, you be the general for a while, and then then he's like, actually, I'm going to be king. Well, that's, isn't that how they general yeah. put it all together? How they connected all the nations and put them under one Caesar? Isn't that uh, well? But I mean, it. but it's Caesar. I mean, Caesar. yes, it's not a democracy. That that was the fall of the the ancient democracy. Well, Claudius. Right? It was Claudius who Claudius um, rounded up all the nations and was like, "How about you just live under my thumb?" Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier. <laughs> I mean, and that'll for some happen. Years, it was good. I mean, Claudius ate his children, but <laughs> other than that. It was it was okay for a little while. It's not bad, you know. Who yeah, wants the Spartans I, just being Spartans? I just want the Fire Lord to come in and be like, "What is this? We know a little bit about conquering over in my nation. Now it's <laughs> right. time for some realness." I'm, I'm and then dragon riding by the philosophical ideas that this episode is kind of putting out there because you have Kuvira mm-hmm. um, being authoritarian but helpful, right? Positive mm-hmm. in some way, and then you have. That's how they always start out, by the way. Right. Like, often start out. <laughs> they're they're yeah. nice guys at the beginning. Yeah. Um, just, just do what I say. That's Come what on. I'm fascinated by Catherine the Great, because she seems to have united Russia um, and by using force. But people still like her, maybe? People have to explain that to me. I have not done <laughs> enough reading on Catherine the Great. She is the Khaleesi of the series now. Yeah, right? Yeah. And, well, that's that's actually a really interesting comparison. because we Which like, is directly lifted from history, yeah. We like Khaleesi. Uh, yeah, but she's still doing something horrible in the end. Her motives are bad, right? She just wants to decimate the world. And well, I think she's also more aware of what united. she's doing to, like, I don't know, Game of Thrones spoilers, but like not having slaves and like trying to be a little more aware of that. Hmm. Even though, yes, ultimately she wants to rule that entire world. Hmm. That is a really good comparison for. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and not having slaves, interesting. But like, isn't the fact isn't uh, Kuvira just sort of extending the Zaofu attitude about bandits being able to reform by offering them to join or die. 
maybe that I mean, that might be a reach, but Su mm-hmm. Yin was really into hiring bandits and that they were okay, and that sort of bit her in the butt a little bit, but apparently not enough because that seems to be a metal bending tradition. Metal clan <laughs> traditions. Metal clan tradition. Um, yeah, so you have Kuvira, and then you have the roaming airbenders uh, that we get a taste of with, with Kai and Opal, who love Kai. I'm, I'm back on the Kai train. Uh, on the Kai bandwagon. Well, the new wingsuits really make a difference. I and think. he's less yeah. of a scamp. Yeah. He's just more... He's an adult. He has thoughts. He has he, a long-distance relationship. Yeah, he's a stable relationship. <laughs> it sounds very sweet. And Opal. You're, For a teenager. Poor Opal. Um, but yeah, that you have these people who are roaming. And I'm just thinking, like, does this speak to the kind of ends of a spectrum that we have to find here? If, you know, if the ending of this series is about this world settling down, what is realism? And do you have... I. Th- I uh, I was reading a lot about Ayn Rand, not related to um, <laughs> to yeah. Cora in any way. It's all about trains, right? So, I, actually, know. if you watch John Oliver's show on HBO uh, last night with John Oliver a few nights ago, he just did this huge takedown of Ayn Rand. Like, why do people still talk about her uh, when she's basically horrible? And this her idea of objectivism, you know, you, you should believe in yourself in some way, but to just be... Uh, of self-obsessed and only looking yeah. out for yourself is is wrong, um, but it seems kind of like Buddhist ideas to believe in self and have an individualism and why that's important as opposed to I don't know for the people communism um, or and how humanism can be elevated to communism in some way. There seems like there's an in between here uh, and and. They have the balance, if you will, and and Cora <laughs> has to find that. That's what I think she'll have to set out to do. I don't think powers will disappear. There just has to be some sort of harmony, uh, and that comes from the self, that comes from independence. And I don't really know what that is, or if there's a historical mark for that. But I well, sure. I mean, that's why we're picking up with the Toph character again, is because that's all she's been doing, as far as we know, is wandering and trying to figure out like right. what that ne- next step is. I, I didn't really buy so much that she left because she was, you know, disgraced from the police force from having to cover up, like, a minor crime that her daughter was involved in. <laughs> Seems like I'm a more... big life choice to, to become right. I think, a roamer. I think we'll more discover that, like, she was a super powerful bender that started a police force in a, like, United City. I think at some point, probably after Aang passed, just, like, needed to figure out what her purpose was in life and... Maybe I think more core is in a very similar place. Yeah, maybe she's just a flaneur, you know, just wants to <laughs> see the world. Um, and then you have Kuvira, who could be a fascist. So we'll see how. Could that, be. Could be. <laughs> you, I think you would yeah, declare her a fascist already. She's she's what she is doing right now is pure fascism, like forcing people to go her way and not really, you know, to connect things. Uh, but the you were bringing up Buddhism before and sort of like historical, uh, I don't know, ideas of balance. And one thing I'd recommend everybody look into is just the idea of uh, of the middle way. Like, have you guys heard of this? Yeah. Yeah, and that uh, that I think is that's core to traditional Buddhism today. Uh, that's just kind of one of the first ideas, and that's the idea that where you know you can find a way through life between pure like uh, consumption and uh, pleasure, and also between just like completely uh, not living, like self mortification. I guess so. Yeah. Like the path is between yeah, just trying to live a normal life and doing what you can, and trying to balance these two extremes. Uh, and that is the world right now. And, and you know that. I'm sure that Brian, I think 
Mike is, or one, either Brian or Mike is really into Buddhism. Could be actually mm-hmm. Buddhist from what I've been reading on their Tumblr. Um, but you know that they must struggle with technology and you know the iPhone era. That's the vibe I got from this episode too, and perhaps what this season will confront about how do you be someone in tune with the world, with nature, when technology is so pervasive and mm-hmm. essential to our mm. lives, right? Wait, I mean, wait. So you're you're saying the core is going to come back and being like, we have trains now? <laughs> they have, like, super suit robots. These are not the ones that, uh, that, we, that appeared in book one. These mm-hmm. are not the, what's Asami's his, dad's name? Um, his, like, Sato. clunky suits. Yeah. yeah, the Sato... It's it's involved out there. Well, the the whole point of the middle way, right, is that you have these things. You have technology. You have social networks today in the real world. But uh, you can say, you know, this stuff is destroying society and our children. Or, you know, you could use it judiciously. Like, you could use it to a point where it doesn't ruin your life. And I think we'll see. To to connect people, which would be probably better in I don't right. know that philosophy. Yeah, I don't want to talk for Buddhists. about social media. It's not about getting rid of powers. <laughs> it's about, it's about p- empowering those without special powers to like get out there in the world and be their own people. Uh, I mean, to pull in it some... historically back from that, <laughs> just like having a train connecting nations yes, yes, ch- yes. causes change. That's a, that's that's enough to single signal that we're going through a technology wave without necessarily having to do like a iPhone shout out or anything like that. I don't, I don't. I still want their radios to have big antennas out of boxes on their hips. Okay, I don't well, want to go that. Yeah. Far. It's not going to be an exact parallel. I'm just saying that I thought about iPhone. It's especially it's, it's in the conversation right now. I saw. Mm-hmm. I just got back from the Toronto Film Festival where I saw like eight movies about we spend too much time on our iPhones <laughs> and they're, they're you know we can't look up from our iPhones and experience the world. Um, and you don't have a lot of pro-technology pop culture right. right now, or at least one that wants to reckon with the idea that technology pushes us forward and it can enhance our lives, can be a Tron legacy. Yeah, Tron legacy. That's why I love technology, because I love that Tron. That is the point of technology. The, the yeah, whole we have point a technology writer here, David yeah, Hardawar. That's the whole point of it. You know, it, it, it pushes society forward. Technology is progress you know it's human progress and it's most like essential form the way i like to describe it too like this is just me philosophizing on the tech side of things but you know technology is is like it's something that's so distinctly human i mean we know apes and other animals can create tools and do simple things um but what we do with technology that's just it feels like that's one of the things that drive our society forward it's our ability to evolve ourselves rather than wait for nature you know to evolve us so the invention of writing of uh, the written word of the printing press of the telephone of the internet everything is just like pushing us forward in that way and it's all about communication so what i'd really like to see the core world deal with that too because trains connect people there are already radios but i want to see more communication tech too and see what sort of impact that'll have because right now there are clearly people in this world who aren't being heard and that's that's leads to a lot of uh issues and i think oh yeah a lot of mistrust and a lot of like conflict so this is yeah. why i don't think kuvira magnet bends i think <laughs> okay, she yeah, metal bends and has magnet powers because why would varick be on her train if she wasn't embracing his technology and his whole deal last season was about magnets mm-hmm. well right but is it the technology that she's using because it looks like okay so they're so. running down yeah. the hill and she's shooting these bands out which and is a the great western are... set piece by the way mm-hmm. this is amazing yes. It's great white on horseback yeah. coming down a hill. It's so great. Good. Anyway, but so it like clasps them together. 
But there's a second group of motions, bending motions that she does that causes them to magnetize like the hands to the feet or the head to the hands. Not if the metal that she's bending is already magnetized. That's what I think is the key here. Well, but then why wouldn't it instantly, why wouldn't the bands instantly attract to each other? Yeah. Like if you're shooting at two people who are riding down the hill parallel to each other close? and you hit them both with the band. But she they're close enough to... She chose when to do it. Like after she had everybody tied up, she like did a thing and then... Well, she got flipped a button. No, I, I don't well, know. Maybe. Or could maybe. it be bending magnetism? I mean, I don't even know. You don't necessarily... It could just be she's bringing the metal together. I don't remember like, it doesn't seeing have to be any metal like magnetism when she was... Uh, putting the metal around their arms and binding them. I only right, remember right. the magnetism coming into play when they're all attached to the train track, and she's like, wait till the next train comes. Okay, maybe mm-hmm. she is a fascist. I'm, I'm, pretty, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that there's a moment where there's like a guy who gets metal bended around his uh, wrists and his head, and she does something else, and his wrists snap to his head like it's magnetized mm. before it gets to the track. I don't know. I'll go relook look at it again. It just, just seems like say, this is why Varric it's hard to is tell here. The this is why that seed was planted in book yeah. three. Well, it is uh, hard definitely. to tell the difference between metal bending and magnet bending at this point. So, Yeah, why I'm interested. Is, it did Magneto is, and the air suits come in and they, it's, in the it's same it's episode? It's gone full X-Men. You're right. Mm-hmm. One other it. thing I wanted to mention, too, too, now that we're speaking of power, like that guy who came in, uh, the bandit on the plane, right? It almost yeah. seemed to me, I've watched that scene a couple of times, it seemed like he had airbending powers too because he was manipulating himself coming down this uh, rope line and uh, he was also really able to when uh, when Kai kind of hit him and he went all the way around the uh, the flying dice and it seemed like he he was at least manipulating himself a little even though he had a weapon so yeah it'll one be interesting to one of our commenters point out apparently lefty doesn't know evasive maneuvers <laughs> let's fly straight and maintain altitude if someone attaches a rope to swing over Lefty, you're the worst air bison ever. Do a barrel hey. roll, Lefty. Do a barrel yeah, do roll. a barrel roll. Who, who, no one taught him. He hasn't Go had on. to outrun bandits. Maybe. We don't know that. There's you're been right. three years and Lefty still is horrible. Lefty I love his, uh, his expression at the end of the whole attack. was like, ugh. <laughs> Lefty, Lefty's just really not into what he's doing. But like, since he saved all the airbenders that one time, he can't get out of it. <laughs> oh. I don't know, guys. I I really want more. I really want more before I'd start digging holes. But if I had to dig a hole, big showdown in Republic City that maybe maybe gets rid of Republic City entirely. Mm. I mean, it seems there will be a giant battle. That's a good prediction. <laughs> yes. I, I hope it's outside of Republic City just to, so we can see some new places on the map. But it, it, based on the trailer, I think you're probably right. I, I do have a question for you, though. Why yeah. is Bolin with Kuviro? Does that make sense to you guys? Like, what is... He is Bolin's not very doing? smart, is he? No. Like, it's, this is just another bad career choice for Bolin. And, but he does... girl. Does. Yeah, yeah. He's, it's, he's not... I don't think he ever thinks through the things that he's doing. He's just... He's so innocent and kind of simple-minded that he's like, oh, I'm helping people, right? I'm helping people again. Uh, no. And Varric's there. Varric is always yeah. really good at talking Bolin into stuff. <laughs> Maybe he's just the proxy for us, the common man that is swayed by like a good sales pitch from Varric or just like a, an important. He's a proxy for a stupider man, for sure. 
I mean, that, that happens to a lot of people, right? You hear someone say, I'm going to fix the world, and they start showing that they kind of can, and they yeah. follow them. This is what happens with all fascist dictators who I know. Who I, I, just, I have no patience for those people who are so easily dissuaded. I but just hope so. that Bolin doesn't commit any war crimes, <laughs> and he'll have to like disappear off the face of the planet until he's 90 years old, and then Brazil mm-hmm. rang, wrangles uh, him. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I still think we're, we're doing brother versus brother, like Mako, Daily, Bolin, Magnet Benders. Because then it's, you, got, well, you got the fire and the earth on both sides. Come on. Brother versus brother. That I I can't see that happening now. Yeah, like, I, wouldn't, I, nice. I, just, I would not buy that with their relationship. And Bolin's just like, he would not, he's not a zealot, right? He's not so a dogmatic believer. He just thinks he's helping people. And once he realizes that he's yeah. made a terrible decision, as he has many, many times in the series, you know, he, he fixes it. Bolin he, will so see you, something behind closed doors with yeah. Kavir that makes him go like, what? Even though <laughs> the very obvious issues that he's seeing right in front of him, uh, he's totally fine with uh, yeah, she like accidentally kicks Pabu, and he's like, "That's it." <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 I don't know. Is Devinderes Bolin still gonna die? <laughs> I don't. Somebody has to die. At this point. Really? So you still I, think someone? I'm has just. To die? I'm just kidding. I'm just like a, mostly my Death Watch. We're is dropping just Death Watch. Cheek. It's just whatever. Everyone, um, Republic City is moved to the back of a lion turtle, and we start the loop again. The only one I really believed was that Tenzin last season. Really, I think he really should have uh, died in that whole sequence because it was set up that way, and it would have it would have led to that sort of depressive area we left Korra in a, it would have been much more impactful. Right. Um, but Not at the same time, in this first episode would have, been I, I will say this, like I'm just joking half the time guys, because I don't think characters need to die in fiction for them to have weight because that's Joss Whedon territory. Yeah, and I, I think he falls television that knew that. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Uh, why, why don't we wrap up talking about Korra since this episode, uh, also Which, did yeah also, exactly <laughs> following suit um i i i love this reintroduction to cora because i'm not exactly sure what's happened but it's it's all about strength which is mm-hmm. the cora we know and love um and and totally uh, dave you'll have to fill me in here because this felt like a superhero return to me this is like world without a superman or something like that uh, uh, well i mean back to conversations with my girlfriend about cora she was like, is this a trope? Because this is what happened to Tara in True Blood. And I was like, mm. oh, I never wanted to think about that storyline again. <laughs> but this did happen to, I mean, the hero has a self-doubting moment that they need to go find to themselves through physical trials. That is in a lot of, that's a, that's part of the hero's journey. Yes. Yeah. Technically. So, yes, we see it a lot. I don't think if it's vaguely superhero-ish, I'm just more interested that she's doing what, Toph was doing when we we met her. I'm I'm really making it a lot about Toph because I'm I'm assuming it should that, be all about Toph. Like I'm assuming I mean, the season will tell. Yeah, the the season will tell me what Cora thinks, and I'll, I'm ready to accept that. But it, I I need I, seeing the parallels is exciting enough to me because Toph was doing fun. it. Toph mm-hmm. was doing it for a different reason, which was that that was her only expression of her true self when mm-hmm. her parents was keeping her in. So this one might be Cora attempting to find who she is when she's not the avatar and it seems to be getting the snot kicked out of her a lot. Yeah. This is going to be like boxing underdog story. Well, like I do think by the way, and run up the Philadelphia art museum <laughs> stairs. And... Mm-hmm. 
airbend, hop up the mountain, yeah. you know. It's just, I, th- I actually think the final, so in the trailer for this season, and she says Toph at the very end, that is definitely Korra from the end of this episode. Like, she has the black eye, and she just looks messed up the same way. So I do think we're going to see Toph very soon, oh, probably on, next episode. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so that would be a good thing. I'm just wondering, like, what is really what is going on with Korra at this point, too? Because, you know, this is a person who she was a kaiju at some point. She just yes. fought like, you know, a <laughs> bender, a flying airbender. And now she can't even take down like a simple earthbender in some like underground fighting match. So I wonder, like, she has but her powers still. She might be hiding her powers, too. I don't want to think that she just lost it completely. I don't. She did not look like she lost on purpose. Like, she uh. looked disappointed. Like, she was struggling and like... It, it felt like a struggle that whole fight for her. So I wonder how much like do we have some sort of power reset going on here or something, um, which is I, I tend not to like that when stories see that. But it'll be interesting to, to see how that works out for her. There's a shot in the trailer of old school Korra with her yes. long hair in the Avatar state. And then yep. it sort of like fades when someone walks by like it's some <laughs> sort of vision. So I'd be interested to see if like maybe she's having a real conversation with the Rava side of her. Mm. Like, maybe not, like, looking in a mirror and two sides of Korra talking to each other. Oh, God. But, like, actually actually running from the Avatar in a real way, I think could work for me in, like, a old-school, uh, like, guy without a master sort of thing. <laughs> it basically, we're getting the Korra storyline as if Tenzin had died, but Tenzin didn't die. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of, I'm kind of, I think I know where it's going to go, but I'm really interested to get there because it's really hard to tell. It's just like the minute we get in this episode. Now I have to wonder if Tenzin was supposed to die. And th- that idea was nixed. Something. Someone was like, and we can't do that. Yeah, No, nope, yeah. that's not going to happen. Well, you're not going to be on the air anymore, and you're going to be online. We're going to throw your last season <laughs> down the same year. Let's- oh, you want to kill Simmons? Yeah, uh, you're going to nick.com. <laughs> um. Well, I think that about wraps things up. Yeah. Are, guys, was there anything small or little or, or that popped in this episode <laughs> for you that uh, you want to mention? I think the Prince Wu and Mako relationship is hilarious, and I want to I want to see more of that. He even does not Wu's... look happy. Mako does not look happy <laughs> going to the Earth Kingdom with Prince Wu. Yeah, it's like a uh, it's like a buddy cop movie, you know, or well, a movie, yeah, where the hardened cop has to deal with some jerk. So that that that'll be fun to see. And I also want to point out too, Core is back on iTunes. So I think that's oh, another yeah. way to show your support for it. Um, and it also looks like a, I I hated watching it on the Nick website, trying to get that to my TV. So yeah, iTunes is the way to go, guys. I agree. Don't worry about how to set buffering speeds across multiple <laughs> devices. Oy. Just buy it, buy it once, and download it automatically. Mm-hmm. Dave, anything uh, anything in this episode that? Uh, I mean, I'm glad that Republic City has come to grips with having the spirit wilds in the center of it. It's like having a central park that you could live in with spirit friends. I'm just (laughs) hoping that at some point the spirits, the fact the spirits are there actually do something because they didn't last season that much. And I would I would like to see what the consequences of that ultimately were. Spirit wilds more like the botanical gardens of Cora Park (laughs) of like. Prospect Park here. Well, it looks like they still kept the buildings there from three years ago. So it looks like you would live there, like mm-hmm. live in the at least our homeless guy who was running our homeless uh, committee group in the book one has made a ton of new spirit friends. And he's very happy in this episode. So maybe that's my favorite thing. That callback. Uh, and, and for me, I mean, I loved this fight at the end with Korra. This just like that felt like MMA cage match. Fighting. Mm-hmm. And actually, it reminded me, I saw this Indian film recently 
uh, it was a biopic of Mary Calm, and uh, it really reminded me of that. And I felt very proud to know who Mary Calm is, <laughs> this big woman boxer in India. So for all of our Indian listeners, yeah, I know what's up. <laughs> yeah. um, and also, I, I could not, and Dave, you kind of mentioned this at the beginning, coronation every time they're talking about prince Wu's coronation yeah I'm like coronation coronation hashtag, that's the hashtag that has to be a, a like a play on the words right <laughs> obvious tip of the hat they can't just keep saying coronation and not having me like pavlovian response type it yeah, well they're like where's where is cora's coronation like yeah where's the avatar's coronation we really coronation. need support from our network because the coronation is not <laughs> there nation why isn't it here? Oh, uh, man, the look on everyone's faces when Korra didn't get off that boat mm. was priceless. That was priceless. Well, maybe, um, maybe in this world, in the nick of time, is being too late for something. <laughs> Dis. Hey. Um, we have uh, how many episodes do we have this season? I guess. Um, That's a good question. 12, I can look 12. that up. Hold on. Keep, keep they, talking they about talk. Fun but, things. Um, vamp, vamp, vamp. I, oh god i wasn't prepared uh <laughs> prince Wu looks like pharrell plus a leprechaun um i'm really worried about kai and janora 12 was, episodes this season oh thank god okay <laughs> that was a lot of filler um 12 more episodes this season we'll be back each week recapping talking about it and again we hope you all participate uh why don't we tell people where they can find us on the internet davindra uh, sure, you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Devendra and write about techadventurebeat.com and I podcast about movies and TV at slashfilm.com. Dave. Uh, you could find all my stuff at I love Dave Gonzalez or I hate Dave Gonzalez. That's D-A-V-G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-S and then a dot com on the end of one of those. And this week, why not check out justthegosling.com where I've cut uh, everything not Ryan Gosling out of <laughs> Ryan Gosling's preteen horror oeuvre. <laughs> Psychotic. <laughs> I have to I have to watch that still. That Just is, the gossip. That is incredible. Uh, and I am Matt Patches. I write all over the internet and try and put it, everything on my Tumblr, mattpatches.com, or I'm on Twitter, at Mr. Patches. And I uh, have another podcast with Dave called Fighting in the War Room, talking about all things pop culture. And actually, I was on the Slash Filmcast with Devendra arguing about this movie, The Guest, uh, yes. recently. So everyone should go listen to that, because Devendra and I butt heads a few times. <laughs> we are not in total agreement on that one. Uh, and until next week, farewell. <laughs>